Environment Matters, sponsored by Wuka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Coming up later, groups are already preparing for next year's Sustainability Festival and we'll hear from one of them. But first, the fungi blossoming in our woodlands at the moment are fabulous. But fabulous though they are, they are also quite mysterious, aren't they? Whilst even a small child will be able to identify a dandelion or a buttercup, the chances of them being able to identify any fungi are quite small. To find out more about the amazing fungi we can see in the woodlands at the moment, I spoke to Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust Reserves Officer Laura Baker. Laura, thank you very much indeed for joining me. So, is it just my perception? There does seem to be a lot of fungi around at the moment. Why would that be? So there are a lot of fungi around at the moment. The autumn is sort of the prime season for fungi. We do see them at other points during the year, but mostly you're seeing fungi towards the end of the summer and into the autumn. So um, right about now, we're seeing lots of fungi throughout our woodlands and our grasslands. Yeah, they're fabulous, aren't they? They look great, yeah. I mean, when we see a a fungus, what is it that we're seeing? So when we see a fungus, we're actually seeing the fruiting body of the fungus itself. So almost like the apple on an apple tree. So the fungus itself is under the ground or it might be within a tree um, and it's made up of what we call mycelium which is almost like a root-like structure that spreads under the ground or throughout a tree system and then once a year that will produce a fruit a fruiting body which comes out of the ground or comes out of a tree and produces the spores that the fungus uses to breed with so that's what we're seeing essentially okay so so most of the fungus most of the time we, we can't see is we invisible can't see, exactly yes and and these things are they are they big they can be very big. Yes, they can spread for miles. And we're learning more and more about uh, mycelium and the networks that they create under the ground and spread about between trees. We're learning about something that's being referred to as the wood wide web, which is where mycelium connects up trees across a landscape um, and can share nutrients around and can also allow the trees to communicate between themselves. So these my- mycelium networks can be very, very extensive. But we know they can also be quite um, localized. So we're all used to the concept of fairy rings and when you see fairy rings in grassland the ring shape itself um, is comes from the fact that if a mycelium um, network spreads from one point it'll spread outwards in a circle if you like and what you'll see is the fruiting bodies around the edges of that circle so a fairy ring is almost like the edges of that network as it spreads out in a um, in a circular motion if yeah. that makes sense okay so they really are quite sort of mysterious aren't they the fact that yeah. we're hidden for the, uh, a lot of the a lot of the year yeah. um, um, so if we want to, you know, if we think, oh, yeah, actually, fungus, what mind seeing some of those? Where are good places locally to see fungi? So great places to see fungi are often woodlands. Um, so uh, we have a nature reserve just outside of Hartford called Ballswood. Um, there's loads of great fungi to see there on the trees and also on the ground. But it's also easy to see um, fungi across our parklands and things like that. So um, some great funguses to see um, are in Verilamium Park, um, where the River Ver runs along the edge of the park. On the other side of that, there's a line of horse chestnut trees, and a lot of them have been cut down, so there are just stumps remaining. And this time of year, you'll see a 
big kind of brownie orange scaly fungus, like a bracket growing out of those stumps. And this is Dryad Saddle, which is a really fantastic tree fungus that you often find on horse chestnut. They get really, really big um, and they're sort of annual funguses that rot away gradually at the end of the season. But right about now is a great time to see them as well. Okay, that's a strange name as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think the word saddle comes from its size and the the fact that it kind of flops over either side, but they're really stunning fungi to see. Wow, okay. How about other fungi, perhaps things that are easy for us to identify and we can sort of look out for? So I think everyone is kind of familiar with parasols and certainly there have been a lot of parasols out this year. They're just dying down now. So the last few weeks, they're the really big ones that you see growing out of the ground, big mushrooms, sort of white and brown, quite scaly around the outside. They get really, really big and a lot of people I think are familiar with parasols. They're quite sort of distinctive. There are lots of those at the moment, aren't there? Yeah, there have been a lot this year, yeah. Um, But there are also loads of really sort of weird and wonderful fungi that are quite easy to identify. So if you're in a woodland that has spruce or pine, so softwood and you see something that looks almost like bright yellow orange um, sort of fingers coming out of the floor or coming out of a rotting stump um, this will be yellow staghorn so that's all out at the moment so in our pine and our spruce forests okay. a really nice one to see um, and then there are loads and loads of, tr- of uh, fungi as well that that grow from either rotting trees or live trees that are absolutely fantastic and quite easy to identify um, so if you see um, a lump of ashwood on the floor that's rotting you might see big sort of big black balls that are kind of growing out the side of it they're quite sort of um, powdery to touch um, and these are King Alfred's cakes that's a nice distinctive fungus that you only get growing on dead ash oh right and um, he was supposed to have burnt the cakes wasn't he well so. then they're really yeah they're really great for starting fires so if you're ever out and about in the woods and you're in a survival situation and you needed to start a fire then yes they're very good as tinder so that's where that's come from oh okay um, but there are loads of others as well so um, jelly ear is, an, is another really nice fungi and that grows on rotting elder and they literally look like kind of purpley brown ears growing out of the of the elder branches that's a really nice one to see as well um other fungi that are quite specific to trees um are things like um birch polypore so if you're walking in a woodland that's got birch trees and you see a bracket, like a foamy bracket growing out of a tree that's got a, a white underside and a brown top, that will be birch polypore. And then I've also mani- um, mentioned the, the dried saddle earlier. They're a really nice one to see from horse chestnut trees. Wow, so a whole selection there, all yeah. with the most fabulous names as well. I know, yeah, you their know, common names are really nice. That's yeah. right, a feast for the eyes, but yeah. also, you know, some some great sort of uh, images there just from, from the names of them. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of thinking, you know, most things in a natural situation are um, suffering from, you know, threats from things at yeah. the moment. Are, are fungi the same? What are the threats for fungi? So there are multiple uh, threats to fungi. Um, If you have a fungi that grows in a grassland setting, so it's growing out of the ground in a grassland rather than a woodland, because different fungi are are habitat specific, um, nutrification of that grassland can affect the mycelium growing under the ground. So this is sort of lots of fertiliser. Exactly. Adding fertiliser, anything like that, just in the same way as that can reduce diversity in a grassland, it can make it more like a monoculture. Um, It can also kill fungi. So some of our rarest fungi, like our wax caps that grow in grassland, 
they need um, what we call unimproved grasslands, so where there's not been loads of fertilizer added um, and they've been managed through a hay cut and through grazing for, for, for a long time. So some of our rarest fungi would have been more common before um, our grasslands were more, were more cultivated and more fertilized. Okay. Um, other threats to fungi are obviously a lot of fungi rely on trees as their food source. Um, so that would be live trees or rotting trees. Um, and in situations where um, we've got less deadwood in our woodlands, um, because our woodlands aren't as old as they used to be, um, and they've not been left to the kind of natural processes where deadwood is retained, you will also see a reduction in fungi there. So um, a few years ago, I went to Białowieża, which is um, a very, very old forest in Poland. And one of the real stark differences between um, the fungi that I saw there compared to the woodlands back here uh, was, I mean, it was enormous, really, but it was because there's so much more deadwood out there because the forest is so much older. So what we can do here in our woodlands in the UK is to, when we um, fell trees or when trees fall down, we can leave them on the floor to rot away and let those natural processes take place. Or sometimes if we've got um, trees that are standing up and they're decaying standing up, then obviously we can leave them in situ there as well. Um, and we'll see fungi using those as a food source okay. as well. And, and we could even do that in our garden if there's a tree fell, exactly. there's just stacking up the logs um you know at the bottom of the garden or whatever presumably would also be a good exactly any rotting wood like that can provide a food source for fungi okay so um you know one of the things that people do with fungi is you know going out to find delicious things to eat a bit of safety and good practice with fungi yes definitely the more you learn about fungi and we have around 4,000 species of large fungi in this country um the more you learn about them, the less likely you are to want to eat them. There are a lot of poisonous fungi out there and a very, very small number of fungi that are actually edible. Just like a lot of animals in the natural world, you will have mimics. So there will be poisonous fungi species that um, obviously deter things from eating them by being poisonous. And you'll have mimics of those that are not as poisonous, but look more like them to try and stop animals from eating them as well. So the edible fungi that we can eat often have poisonous fungi that look very similar to them so it can be very difficult to identify them and we would always say that you shouldn't eat fungi unless you've had a, an expert um, identify that fungus for you first and, and i'm sort of thinking you know is it similar with with picking flowers actually is it best to leave fungi where they are because it they're is. essential for the multiplying of the fungi there, it, it is best to leave them there i think it's difficult with fungi because obviously um Unlike um, some sort of annual flowers, if you like, what you're picking with with um, fungi is just the fruiting body itself, a bit like picking an apple from a tree. The thing is with fungi, they're not going to have as many apples as you would find on an apple tree. Um, and picking them, obviously, the, fun the fungus that you're seeing, the fruiting body, is the way that it breeds and spreads its pore, uh, spores around. So by picking that, you're obviously not killing the fungus itself, but you're definitely reducing its vitality and you're um, reducing its ability to to breed. On top of that, um, the fruiting bodies that we see of the fungus, a lot of um, insects and other wildlife rely on them um, and they're part of the, the ecosystem itself. So it's important to leave things where they are and definitely with the risks to, of eating fungi as well, we wouldn't encourage anyone to, you know, be going about the woodland or the grassland and be picking fungi to eat. It's best if they're just observed as they are. Um, yeah, being as they are. Indeed. So. Great advice there, Laura. Laura, thank you very much indeed for sharing that with You're us. You're welcome. Thank you.
And I was speaking there to Laura Baker from the Hearts of Middlesex Wildlife Trust. And they were actually one of the groups that took part in last year's St. Albans Sustainability Festival. Now, groups around the district are already preparing for next year's St. Albans Sustainability Festival, which will run from the 23rd of May to the 7th of June. One of those groups is Sandridge Parish Council. I went over to their offices and spoke to Rebecca Panis. So, Rebecca, Sandwich Parish Council isn't new to the Sustainability Festival, is it? You took part last year. Tell us about last year's events. Well, last year we had three events. Um, We ran a Bees and Trees event in Jersey Farm Woodland Park, which was educating um, the public on um, how we keep bee... We've got three beehives down there. Um, So all about... We had our our, our bee man discussing the wildflowers and and how we can all help um, the bee population... We had our resident hazel coppice man um, who makes things from the the hazel plantation down on Woodland Park. Um, So we had that one morning and then another morning we had a health walk across some of the rural parts of our parish. And then we had an evening at Marshallswick Community Centre which focused on growing your own um, in upcycled plant containers so we got very creative with the things that we grew in we was growing carrots in wellington boots and um basically anything i could find that looked like a plant container i was shoving plants in um and we we had an evening where we we swapped seeds and swapped plants and just basically had an educational evening about how everyone can grow their own even in the smallest spaces Brilliant. I mean, that sounds wonderful. So what was so good? I mean, those sound like lovely events by themselves, but, but why was it good taking part in the Sustainability Festival? Well, uh, the Parish Council is really passionate about environmental um, issues and concerns, so we really want to be part of the sort of movement towards everybody being more sustainable. So we feel as, as you know, local government, we should be leading the way really and sort of um, encouraging people to to join in with what we do and you know we have a volunteer group now so we go out and do things in the parish once a month Um, we was hedge laying this weekend for example so you know we're really proactive about getting people outside and educating people about about the environment so so you're sort of saying that anybody Mm. who's kind of concerned about the environment you know this is I suppose whether you're an environmental group or not actually they'd benefit from taking part in the sustainability festival exactly exactly and the sustainability festival is such a sort of big thing on the calendar in St Albans that it sort of you know and from our involvement in it last year where we did the upcycled vegetables um, we've sort of on the back of that we've now decided that we're going to build a communal garden in in this location outside Marshallswick Community Centre and that's going to be all year round all the time so so from our involvement with Sustainable St Albans we've now got this great sort of initiative for everybody. Brilliant so that it's been the start of bigger things and you've already started thinking about what you're going to be doing for Sustainability Festival 2020 what have you got planned for that? Well we really want to build on what we did last year in terms of the 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 upcycled um, vegetable plot so we'll be probably holding a a day or an evening we've not quite got the details sorted yet outside the front of our community center getting people you know involved getting their hands dirty showing people what they can do what they can grow and how everyone can reduce their food miles and 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 just get healthier by gardening 
<laughs> sounds brilliant, Rebecca. Sounds brilliant. Well, we look forward to, uh, to hearing how all of that goes. And, uh, yeah, let's hope other groups are, uh, are getting their thinking hats on for next year's Sustainability Festival. Rebecca Finesse, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Well, there's some great ideas there from uh, um, from Rebecca. But if you need some some help um, with ideas for events, then the Sustainability Festival Working Group are running what they're calling a creative collaboration event. I spoke to Sustainability Festival coordinator Sushil Rao to find out more. Sushil, thank you for joining me. So when does event registration start then? So event registration for SusFest 20 starts on the 6th of January and runs throughout January. All right, so really coming on quite quickly then, isn't it? It definitely is. It's amazing how it catches up on you. Yes, it does indeed. So um, you've got this creative collaboration event. When's that? Well, that's happening on Tuesday the 26th of November. So that's not long at all, from the seventh, from 7 till 9pm in the evening. Okay. And, and that's, uh, I believe, it's at St Paul's Church on Blandford Road, is that it right? It is, yes. Right, OK. And, and what's that aimed at? Well, that's really about getting people together, chatting about what they might do, getting ideas, hearing other people's ideas, meeting other people, and just learning how they can get involved in running an event in Susfest. OK, so really quite a broad aim then. So, you know, who, who do you want to come along? Um, in some ways, anyone. So... People who want to get involved and perhaps run an event during Fest is who it's really aimed at. So possibly if you've got part of a group, but also if you just think, oh, I'd like to do something, come along. You might meet other groups you can work with. Right. OK, so really very broad then. Um, and do we need to register or pay to attend or anything like that? Um, it's free to attend, but ideally we would like you to register. It just means we know how many people are coming and we do have a limit of 30 people. Right. OK, then. So, so, so best to, to get there so that your place is secure. And where do we find that link to register? So you can find the link to register on sustainablestalbans.org, their website. It's on the front page. Right. And just click on that. It takes you to Eventbrite and you register there. Right. Super. The, the uh, excitement is building, isn't it? Oh, yes. OK, brilliant. Sushil, thank you very much indeed. You're very welcome. I'll be back at the same time next week. Until then, thank you for joining me. Environment Matters, sponsored by Wuka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution. <laughs>